Hey guys, thanks as always for listening to Thick and Thin. As a heads up, due to a schedule conflict, we actually recorded this podcast on NBA Awards last week. The good news is it still looks like we're marching towards the restart in Orlando, but you won't hear us discussing the schedule release or the recent positive COVID-19 tests around the league. Hope you enjoy it and stay safe out there. Welcome to another episode of Thick and Thin, where ball is always life. I'm your host, Karthik, here with my co-host, Nathan. What's good, Nathan? What's up, man? Uh, looking forward to uh, the resumption of the season in Orlando. Um, you know, I think they are playing, as we know, some regular season games. But we both feel like, at this point, the tribe has spoken, so to speak. So we thought it'd be fun to do some awards uh, for individual All-NBA, like, I really think that um, this is basically going to be locked in stone, especially with a lot of guys probably taking it very easy on some load management plans those first few games back. Absolutely. Um, And, you know, it's funny. It's not that long ago. It doesn't feel like it was that long ago when we did the all-star selections. Uh, Because if you think about it, that was, what, in mid-Feb? Yeah. yeah. The season got suspended three weeks after that, so – uh, I said this yeah. last week. We had the worst luck possible launching this thing in an off season, and then having a pandemic follow. We've, I think, you know, we've been at this for about ten and a half months, of which I think six or seven months have been in basically the effective off season. Yeah, I'm, I'm starting to worry what we're gonna have to, you know, start talking about this off season because we've already exhausted a lot of off season topics, and yeah, you know, before Should you know, I don't know what we're gonna be doing. Refresh LeBron versus uh, Jordan again if yeah, he wins the fourth title. Oh, we got to run it back if he wins the fourth title. You're going to be coming hard about the asterisks. I'm going to be talking about, you know. I'm going to be coming hard about the fact that the Bucks all had coronavirus and weren't even on the court. <laughs> um, but the Lakers are missing Avery Bradley, so it all bounces up. No, that's we'll true. That's we'll true. Uh, but all right, so we're going to do some awards. I think for the MVP, I want I want to talk about not only the winner, but the top five on the ballot. And then we'll go through defensive player of the year, sixth man, most improved coach of the year before tackling um, the All-NBA teams. And as we know, because of the way they changed the CBA, the All-NBA has a lot of value to it now, right? It's not just an award for your basketball reference page. There's significant financial ramifications. And uh, this year, actually, based on most of the candidates that are eligible, there's not really that super max on the table because some guys have already qualified. Uh, some guys like Beal already signed an extension, took him out of the running. Um, you know, Gobert is, is eligible no matter what. So it doesn't have quite the same weight it's had in years past where there's some clear candidates to, to be able to capitalize. But I think always important. So that should be fun. You ready yep. to go? Let's go. All right, so let's go reverse order for your MVP. Who do you have in the fifth spot this year? I've got Anthony Davis. Mm. Uh, Did not make my ballot. He's number five for me. I mean, you you can't deny how good of a season he's had. He's been elite defensively, great offensively. Um, he's he's been able to shoulder the load in, in a lot of the games when LeBron, um, you know, a couple games LeBron set out or some of the games LeBron has not played that well. Uh, and the Lakers, I mean, as a number one seed, I think they've got, I mean, spoiler alert, two guys in the top five for MVP. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what else there is to say. We talked about it a lot last week. Defensively, he's been a marvel for them. And I think that warrants him to be in the top five. Yeah, I mean, look, Davis has been as good as advertised. Basically, every year he's played, except for his rookie year, he's been an all-star, right? I mean, this is a guy that's stat stuffer from day one. Um all of the things that we'd expect from a bona fide superstar. I have a problem fundamentally. You can't, if if we're really taking MVP by the spirit of what it's supposed to mean, I can't understand how two players on the same team can both be prime MVP candidates. Because by virtue of having the other in place, it must devalue their candidacy a little bit, right? And so while I wouldn't take that away from LeBron, I think I'm knocking Davis for that a little bit, especially when you consider some of his on-off splits when LeBron's not on the floor. So let me let me uh, let me challenge that a little bit because yeah, when you're talking about the fifth spot, um, you're talking about guys like who? Maybe Jokic, maybe Westbrook, maybe Harden. I don't know how your ballot is is looking, but you're talking about guys at the end of the day that they're not. Um, 
like Anthony Davis, what he means to the Lakers, in my opinion, is still more important than what Jokic means to the Nuggets. So at, at that five slot, I agree. You can't have two guys in top contention, but five is pretty far down the list. So I mean, when Steph and KD were on the same team, easily both of them would be in the top five for contention. So I think it's a similar case for the Lakers being the best team in the league or best team in the West, at least. Uh, I think it's deserved. All right. Fair enough. So I, like I said, I don't have Davis on my top five ballot. I think my, my fifth spot is going to anger you a little bit, but I'm going Luka Doncic. Um, when you think about the season, this dude's put together 29 points, nine rebounds, nine assists. Um, basically, you know, with Porzingis coming back after an 18 month layoff with, uh, a lot of new pieces in Dallas to be able to improve on what was an incredible rookie year as a 19 year old to do what he did in his second season as a 20 year old. Um, It's unmatched, frankly, in history, just from a pure statistical aspect to have those numbers in his age 20 second season. And, you know, Dallas is the seven seed right now. So they're not necessarily um, in that upper echelon of West teams, but they're all club together we know in those eight games in the restart they could move up to six or five and so I think Doncic being that only star in Dallas uh, especially with Porzingis's uneven play like even though he was out for a couple weeks with that sprained ankle he's been nothing short of phenomenal as good as advertised and already probably one of the top seven or eight players in the NBA you've got Luca at number five are you, you serious hallelujah Luca. So I, I get it, right? The Mavs have had a historic offensive season by most metrics. If, if anything, their record is they've underperformed based on how well they've, you know, the paper shows they are. Um, and you got to give them a lot of credit. That's why I have number four on my ballot. Oh. I've, I've done I've done a double take on Luca. I know early on in the season, I because I mean my argument early on in the season when you were like touting him as an MVP like five games into the season, um, I thought they'd fall off. I thought the Mavericks would kind of fall off a cliff. They did a little bit, but they've still maintained that, like I said, that offensive efficiency. They lead the league. Um, I think they're like a top five team ever. So I got to give them credit. I have them number four on my belt. He's incredible. I mean, you think about Trey Young, for example, who's the guy he's going to get pinned, like, you know, compared to for the rest of their careers, a la like Bird and Magic or you know, Vince and Jameson, those are two very odd comparisons. But, <laughs> um, but you know what I mean? Like the two guys who got selected were debated between. Trey Young has put up similarly historic numbers, but you just don't feel that em- presence and that impact, that positive impact on the team the way Luca's done it. Luca's been able to put up, you know, video game numbers with a winning product on the court. Mm-hmm. And I'm actually really, really interested to watch him in Orlando because – we know that his body can get away from him a little bit, so I hope he comes back into the camp in shape. But that Dallas team, they need him. Uh, no Dwight Powell. Uh, Courtney Lee is out. So there's there's even more pressure on him, and I think he's delivered all season being the marked man on the Dallas offense and, like you said, still leading them to historic levels. And it's, He's just so much fun to watch. It's really unlike any play. He's almost like a little bit of a Harden light, but still a different style than Harden, not quite that same bruising mentality. Different style and a level of cockiness. Harden's cocky, but he's he's kind of unassuming in the way he goes about it. Luca is he's got that grin on his face. He's, he's stepping back. He's rash. He's celebrating. He is a lot of fun to watch. I, I hate watching him because it just reminds me of Marvin Bagley, and I can't separate those two in my head. Didn't you say he has a six pack now? Marvin Bagley, yeah. yeah well, I'm say excited. he's in great shape. He's in he's in amazing shape. Um, but let's see if he can dribble the basketball. I don't know if that any of that's changed. But last thing on Luca, I'm always fascinated with. You know, we know that the NBA is dictated by the most high flying, most phenomenal, most incredible athletes you've ever seen, and even the guys who don't appear athletic are still the top half one percent. With Luca and with other guys that are just they don't jump off the page with their athleticism. Watching them being able to still get to their spots on the court is actually really fun because they're moving at their own pace. You know, they're very their footwork is excellent. Like all the little things that you think of when you think of who you think about a guy like Kobe, right, who had, you know, everyone knows about his athleticism, but his it was his footwork uh, in the low post and the mid post that really separated him. 
Mm-hmm. And Luca's someone similar with that kind of he's he's more of that step back perimeter Harden esque type, but also getting to the rack. He's not going to overpower you. He's not going to sprint past you. But he's just so damn crafty. And I, I think that's what makes him uh, uh, makes me appreciate him even more because in this era of pace and space and ball movement, you, it's still great to see those guys who can just go one on one with the footwork beat you consistently. You know, he reminds me of Paul Pierce in some ways, where I mean, yeah. he'll end up being better, but Paul Pierce also very unathletic body, but just shifty and knows how to use his footwork to get off shots. And, uh, yeah, yeah he, he didn't get blocked much, and neither does Luca. Speaking of cocky, this dude is shooting under 32% from three, yet attempting over nine threes a game. So you got to <laughs> appreciate that confidence level. All right, so I'm surprised you have him on your ballot. That means you don't have one of my last four guys, but I'm going with Kawhi Leonard at the number four spot. Now, I know the games played is the number one red flag, but I would let you know that he's only played, he's played 54 games, um, which is, you know, the same, sorry, 51 games. And, and, Doncic has played 54, so they're within the same realm of territory. And I think when you when you consider how much turnover, I talked about this last week, but when you consider how much turnover the Clippers have had this season, um, bringing in Marcus Morris, bringing in Reggie Jackson, uh, now Joakim Noah, not having Paul George, the fact that they're still going to end up in the number two spot uh, is a huge testament to the work Kawhi's done. Um, and it's not just the scoring it's not just the defense, which really, really picked up the season. I think he's headed to a first-team all-defense selection again. It's the playmaking. Uh, by far, career-high average in assists. Um, you know, it's it's not a crazy number, uh, but at the same time, it's it, it's five a game, but he's never previously averaged more than three and a half, and that's a pretty big uptick uh, when you consider how much more he was asked to do without dropping his efficiency and actually increasing his scoring to career-high levels. Interesting. So you got Kawhi at four, that is? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so Kawhi, I thought about him at five, like versus Anthony Davis, and part of me wanted to put him over Anthony Davis because at the end of the day, the Clippers are one of the best teams, and he is the best player. And, uh, yeah, he for all the load management narrative, he's played a good amount of games, especially when you compare him to other top stars. But for me, MVP is all about narrative. And... To me, Kawhi is still a guy who sits at opportune times. Yes, he's played a good amount of games, but the fact that he's choosing when and, and not to sit and not playing like every single game he can, I don't like that. I want to. I think he should be penalized for that. So I, I didn't include him in my top five. But for all intents and purposes, his season, he's been having a great season. Um, the Clippers obviously are our top contender. I just think that you can't reward a guy um, – for sat that much taking the yeah. occasional game out when he doesn't really have a significant injury like it's uh, I, I, hear I, that. don't, I don't want to yeah i mean look he's played 51 games so that's going to be the lowest of anyone on my top five right mm-hmm. luca is at 54 but he had a real injury Kawhi yep. has not really sustained a real injury this season and so i hear that i think you know when you think so spoiler alert this might shock you a little bit but i don't have james harden on my top five and and you know, when you compare Harden versus Kawhi, just in terms of overall numbers, Harden's going to blow him out of the water because he plays every game. He plays 36, 37 minutes a night. Like that, that availability that he gives you on a nightly basis mm-hmm. is totally night and day from what Kawhi gives you. But I think to me, he's played enough games. Like he played 51. If the season were to have actually finished in real time, I think he would have ended in somewhere in that mid 60s, which to me is enough to at least be considered. Like I'm putting him fourth. He's not top two. Um, yeah. and, I, and I think, you know, the Rockets really disappointed uh, in terms of where I thought they would be. I thought they were going to contend with the Lakers and the Clippers for the best record in the league. And they've righted the ship a little bit, but they've had some early season struggles. Um, and, you know, part of that has to go on Harden's shoulders because he's had some shooting swoons and, you know, Westbrook has as well. But that's where I dropped Harden a little bit on my rankings. Uh, yeah, I mean, speaking of shooting swoons, like Harden fell off a cliff in yeah. uh, 2020, uh, especially in January. And then like March, right before we were going into the uh suspension yeah, I, think, I think january was the worst shooting month of his career or at least since his rookie season um yeah so new year's was a little too crazy for him i think <laughs> yeah all right who so, do you have at number three number three i mean this is perfect i've got james harden oh uh, and i don't 
I don't disagree with you too much. I, I can see the argument of having Harden outside the top five. He was actually the hardest for me to grade uh, or rank because it's kind of been a tale of two seasons for him. And it's weird because, like you said, the Rockets kind of got off to a slow start when he was playing really well. And then when he kind of slowed down, they actually, you know, Westbrook picked it up and the team ended up being. So in terms of MVP, I don't know how good his case is, but, you know, regardless of how poorly his his shooting was recently, he's still a 62%, you know, true shooting percentage on the season. And obviously it's because the volume of threes and the free throws are always going to help him still be an efficient player. Yep. And he's, he's still been really good. I think, James Harden, for whatever reason, we're a little bit more critical of him. And when he does have his swoons, we we tend to kind of zoom in on them a little bit more and talk about his playoff failures. And uh, great, this is you know the same old James Harden. I I think his numbers are just too astronomical to to ignore. Um, they're not like what he put up last year, but he's still averaging thirty four a game, uh, seven assists. Like I said, sixty two percent true shooting. 12 free throws a game. That's a career high for him. Um, he's continued to get to the line more and more. Yeah. I think for me, I think he third is about right. I think Harden's, you know, one of those guys where we take our negative impression of, of previous years, playoffs, like try things that should be irrelevant when we think about this year's body of work, which is strictly the games he played in the 1920 season. That's the only thing you should consider for, uh, you know, 1920 MVP. But we always, I mean, it's it's human nature, right? It's like, oh, well, yeah, we know he's going to do this until it's time for the playoffs. Well, that doesn't really matter for this discussion. Um, I, I Look, his volume of production, like I just said, is, is unmatched. Um, when you go back and look at his career in totality, when it's all said and done, some of the numbers he's going to put up, uh, not just about per game averages, like the overall totals because of his durability, are going to be really, really up there. Like in terms of a 10 to 12 year scoring stretch, it's going to be as, as as high as anybody not named like Wilt or jo- Jordan. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and and look, his defense is a lot better than it used to be and better than what people still think it is. He's a pretty decent post defender. I think he led the league in deflections this year so. He's active, if not always fully engaged. Um, and while that's not uncommon for stars, it used to be <laughs> noticeably, oh, yeah. uh, noticeably not engaged. I think it's maybe not noticeably anymore. It's not Trey Young, Bradley Beal level right now anymore. But mm-hmm. he was the bar setter for that. So I just penalize him a little bit because I just think Houston should have been a little bit better than they were. Um, I think they went to a pretty radical style shift midway through the season swapping capella for covington but at the same time that engine goes as harden and westbrook go and i think it was too uneven a performance for me uh otherwise so in my three spot it sounds like you don't have this guy nikola Jokic. now nikola Jokic struggled a bit to start the season so speaking of inconsistency he showed up extremely overweight he has clearly since lost all of that and more uh, but where he's ended up is still phenomenal, right? Like the, the averages are similar to the previous year, 20, 10, and 7. 20, 10, and 8 this year, just like last year's 20, 11, and 8. So he got back to that level. His durability is there. He's played 65 games, um, true shooting over 60%. His win shares are above 0.2 per 48 minutes. Like all the advanced numbers love Jokic, right? Because he's a high-efficiency uh, player who does not necessarily um, have – a ton of turnovers. He, he rebounds the ball well. He's efficient. And look, I gravitate towards guys who don't have significant other help. Like four of the five guys on my MVP ballot, you would not say they played with another superstar. Um, spoiler alert, Giannis is one of my top two. And T technically has Middleton, who is an all-star. But you look at Jokic um, and Luka – and then Kawhi, sorry, it was Paul George, but he didn't play with Paul George for a large part of the season. So I like the fact that they're taking more, um, you know, taking more of the responsibility on their own shoulders. I also think it hinders their pr- production a little bit. So the fact that he's still able to fill up the box sheet, knowing every team is keying in on him, I think is a big deal. Look, I like Jokic, but to me, like I said, MVP, the narrative's got to be there. And he's putting up the exact same stats as last season. The team is in the exact same place. Usually with an MVP candidate, I want to see something that, okay, this player has elevated his team in some way or 
he's doing something statistically that uh, he hasn't done before. He's elevated his game. And to me, Jokic just hasn't done that. I, I agree. All the advanced metrics like him. The Nuggets are just as good. Like They're another one of those teams that goes under the radar, but one of the consistently top teams in the West. Um, no one's talking about them in the playoffs, but I think this year they have a better shot than they did last season. Yeah. Um, where they were struggling in the first round against San Antonio. I think that was a learning experience for them. They'll go further or potentially can go further. But he hasn't done anything different than last year. Like His stats are pretty much identical across the board. So I he's one of those guys on the fringe for me. And um, yeah. I, I get it, but I just – nothing wowed me. From he's not doing it for you. So you've always been a little bit down on Jokic. Do you remember like four years ago I ranked him like the 12th best player in the league? And granted, that was a little premature, but – I've just I, I'm fascinated. I love passing big men. I love the way you can run the offense through the high post and you know the flip passes, the no looks, you know the bounce passes, and I just like they all play around him like a spider web almost in the way he's just like moving pieces around the chessboard. And I think um, who's his second best teammate? Jamal Murray. No. Um, Fair who point. who's what? A you know. Not a, not a near, not a close to be all star. I know he hasn't made it himself. I I wouldn't say he's one of the next five guys in the West that could have made the all star team, uh, record aside. So, you know, Paul Millsap was hurt. Michael Porter Jr. was you know not really getting shine. Gary Harris just went totally invisible. So yes, I know the team still ended up the exact same as they were last year, but I don't think the components were all performing the way they were last year. I think Jokic had to step up to bring them back to number three, which you know. If you think about the way the standings are shaping up, four through seven is kind of all a cluster. And he's brought the Nuggets out of that and set them up more promisingly for a run in the playoffs. Look, you don't have to talk to me about passing big men and appreciating passing big men. Okay, I grew up with Vladi and Weber. Well, uh, then you should you like know, having the offense revolve around them. Yeah, Jokic, it's just one of those things where I can't take the Nuggets seriously. I just un- until maybe they, they show some more success in the postseason. Uh, my opinion of him, of him will start to change, and maybe that's not fair to him. And MVP is a regular season award, but I, I don't know. I, I need is to it, see let me like. ask you: Is it a little bit of like animosity with like the former Yugoslavian republics? Like you're backing <laughs> Divac, and Jokic comes from Serbia. Is that the issue? It's my my disdain for Doncic, kind of you know spreading for all these yeah. other players. Yeah, I'm just I'm all over Eastern Europe. That's my hood right now. <laughs> Wait till you see Davis Bertans on this list coming up. Um, all right. So the top two, we clearly have the same top two. Who did you put first? Who did you put second and why? You know who I'm going with first. Stop. It's this, LeBron James. It's not. It's, it's really LeBron not. LeBron James. And I know it's Giannis and advanced stats this and advanced stats that and by all metrics and the historic season by the Bucks and yada, yada, yada. Look. Don't sound like back, great reasons to I'm going back to I'm going back to what I said. Narrative, narrative, narrative. Here's the narrative for LeBron. Tell me how this sounds. For the first time in his career, he goes to the, the tough conference where no one said he could win. He takes a Laker team, yes, with Anthony Davis, but devoid of talent across the rest of that roster. Number one seed, an elite defensive unit, a team that runs based on on how he plays, obviously, like I mean, you mentioned it. When Anthony Davis is on the court and LeBron's off, his splits don't look that – Lakers aren't that great of a team. So still team success completely dictated by LeBron. He's got the counting stats. Like, yes, they're not as impressive as some other years in his career, but this guy's leading the league in assists, so that's part of the narrative. First time ever he's leading the league in assists, now playing that point guard role, still averaging 26 a game, 11 assists, 8 boards, and is his shooting has has not been too bad. He's shooting sub fifty percent overall, which is you know the first time in a, several years. I think his first year in Cleveland was the last time that happened. But uh, still, pretty efficient player, and he's he's leading the league in assists. Man, I don't know what else to say. So for me, like this is kind of a career achievement award. Giannis won it last year. The Bucks look they're doing the same thing. He's taking his game to another level. But I just think that you got to give it to LeBron. At this age, at this point of his career, he deserves another MVP. So I'm going with the with him as number one. I feel very similarly on this conversation as I do on the GOAT conversation. I love LeBron. I think he's great. He's just very clearly number two. 
And I can't refute anything you said other than the fact that Giannis has just been flat out better on both ends with less help. Yes, he plays in a weaker conference, but part of the allure, let's let's be honest about one thing. Part of the allure of that Western Conference was two things over the over the course of the last 15 years. The Warriors dynasty and the Spurs dynasty. Oh, get neither, out of here. Neither of which exists right now. Um, and so, yes, was the West harder than the East? Yes, it was. But if you look at the records head-to-head West versus East, even West playoffs versus East playoff teams, the West still has a better record, but it's not as gargantuanly is that a word gargantuanly <laughs> in the favor of the West as it used to be. So yes, he's gone through a harder gauntlet. It's just not that same level of gauntlet that it has been in years past. Now, let me read to you something. These are Giannis's per 36 minute stats. Oh my God. 34.5 points, 16 rebounds, 6.7 assists, 1.2 steals, 1.2 blocks, shooting 55% from the field. That is, that's not even Shaq. That's better than Shaq territory. That's like playoff Shaq, like I'm in shape Shaq territory. And he did that for an entire season. Not to mention, he was the best defensive player in the league. He he essentially was the lone star on the best team in the league. And yes, you know, narrative would suggest that the Lakers beat the Clippers and the Bucks back to back in that last week before the season shut down. And therefore, we should just suspend all notion of what happened the previous four months and just give LeBron the award. Um, But you have to look at that full body work and start to finish. Milwaukee's been the best team. He's been their best player. And that is the most, you know, talk narrative. That's been the most common narrative for an MVP best player on a best team. It's why Derek Rose beat LeBron in 2011. And it's why um, Giannis is going to beat LeBron this year. And Derek Rose shouldn't have gotten it that year. So I, it's, too often we fall in love with the the best player on the best team. It's look his Giannis's stats are incredible. Just that per thirty six line is just eye popping. I just think that at some point you have to like like I mentioned last year he's elevated his game a lot. But that team, I mean, we're still seeing roughly the same team. Um, they're even better, sure, but. I think what LeBron has shown and how he's taken that Lakers team to new heights and heights that no one really expected. I, I, I don't think everyone picked them as the number one seed. People were the Clippers pencil. Whether or not team. you had them as number one, it wasn't like they're coming out of the woodwork as a surprise contender. We knew it was going to be a two-horse race in the West. Yeah, but part of MVP is surpassing expectations. Everyone had Milwaukee penciled in as the top seed. Giannis is the top player. A lot of people were counting out the Lakers. And so for them to be at the top, and you say that they don't have the same competition as the Spurs and the Warriors. What are the Clippers? You think Kawhi, Paul George, that team doesn't look like one of these all-time teams to you? You just told it. me Kawhi is like on vacation, like at an Airbnb and like and Boca Raton they, during the season. <laughs> but when they play together, they're yeah, they lost. The Lakers lost two. They're down 2-1 in the season series. True, that's true. But I mean, <laughs> they would have played again. They would have played two more times if we had the season. So we'll never know. It could have ended two two. They might be playing. I, on that note, have they released the schedule for those eight games? I don't think they have. No, right? I, I thought it was supposed to come out yesterday. Originally, like a couple of weeks ago, they said the twenty fourth. But oh well. Um, yeah. So I, they may play in those eight games, though. I doubt we're seeing Kawhi or LeBron. Nobody's tipping anything. Yeah. <laughs> So, okay. I mean, I get it. I get it. I get the argument for Giannis. That's the the popular argument. I just, I think that it's not crazy to think that LeBron can, should Who win. do you think will win? Oh, Giannis. Easy. Yeah. It's a shoot. I think, I think it's going to be about 70 to 80% of first place votes. Yeah. There will be some people going for LeBron, but I think Giannis is going to win this pretty handily. I agree. All right. Let's keep it moving. Defensive player of the year. And this is really where he separates himself from LeBron because Giannis is my defensive player of the year. He's the anchor of the best defense in the league, Uh, you know, historic levels of point margin. And not just that, it's very much driven on that defense. Him, Brooke Lopez, you know, you said on last week's pod, him, Brooke Lopez and Robin Lopez were like three of the top four or the top three players in terms of rim protection, uh, field goal percentage allowed against within five feet. I mean, everything is about funneling players into the middle and having these, you know, towers down low and I think Giannis when you consider not just what he can do um, down low but really on the perimeter as well with the lanky arms with the athleticism there's no player like him 
Um, you saw someone even like Ben Simmons, who's considered an, a really, really good defender. He can't check Giannis. But Giannis, if that's his competition in terms of best deep defender or Kawhi, like he just brings it more consistently than anyone in the league, uh, especially with the way Gobert slipped a little bit this year. I think Giannis is my clear-cut answer. I, I got to go with Giannis, too. Uh, for all the reasons you mentioned, he's also you know, he's first in defensive win shares, box plus minus. He's he's killing it across the board, um, and he passes the eye test. He's just a menace defensively, and you never want to use the All Star game to back up your your stats or your points. But come on, watching him go one on one against LeBron when those guys actually were playing for something, and watching him just deny LeBron—I think it was twice, right? Um, once well the craziest got, one was when he got beat yeah. off the dribble and yeah. recovered enough to block that layup. Yeah, exactly. And so obviously it's the all-star game, but it's that one-on-one defense at length that he's just the ultimate defender. And um really the, the reason that Milwaukee team is so good defensively. So I, I think it's hard to argue. I think the other candidates here are Gobert, um, Anthony Davis has a decent case. Yeah, Anthony Davis um, will be first team all defense, I think. But but you, I think it has to go to Giannis. Even and this, Kawhi had a little bit of a throwback season. Not like every night, mm-hmm. but when he was asked to, he was still kind of like 2015, 2016 Spurs Kawhi at times. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, um, so yeah. And then like, that's Ben Simmons. He might be in the running as well. Probably not Defensive Player of the Year, but I thought he showed uh, he can guard one through five. And he's. I like Ben Simmons defensively at least because he tries yeah. um he's trying all the time he doesn't try necessarily when it's when he's being asked to shoot open jumpers but he tries on the defensive end which i think is that plus his athleticism is a huge benefit and, and you know to Giannis's point this obviously lends credence to his mvp case because he's at another level defensively even though lebron's been solid this season um another reason why he maybe he should win mvp so there's been two players in nba history to have won MVP and Defensive Player of the Year in the same season. Do you know the two? Jordan. Yep. You know what year? Was it 92? Three, three titles. 96? No, 90, no, 88? Yeah. 88. Uh, I mean, he okay, yeah, Jordan was on all defensive teams, first team, but yeah, he won it in 88, right? But like, I, the Jordan thing is always overrated to me. Like, what Giannis is doing, if he wins MVP and Defensive Player of the Year this year, way more impressive than what Jordan did. I'll just say that. Jordan would have solved coronavirus and then gotten back onto the court. Yeah, Gar- Jordan, he led the league in steals and everyone, like, just, you know, <laughs> jerked themselves all over about it. So it, it he was, uh, Jordan's Sorry, great that defensively. that sounds like kind of a big deal. Jordan's great defensively, but a wing, like, Playing defense on the perimeter like that, I don't. It's not as valuable as as uh, as what something like Giannis is actually doing. So, and the other guy was Hakeem, by the way, in '94. '94. Okay. Oh yeah, forgot about that. All right. So we both have Giannis, um, sixth man of the year. Who do you have here? I'm curious because I went a little bit against the grain because I think this guy really deserves it. But curious what you say. Dennis Schroeder. Okay, that's a good pick. Uh, I just think, uh, look. That Oklahoma City team is has been so good. And, you know, Chris Paul gets a lot of the credit, but Schroeder has been – he plays 31 minutes, uh, so he's, he gets a lot of minutes logging off the bench. Um, but then again, guys like Lou Will, traditionally sixth man of the year, they play more of that pseudo-starter role. And Schroeder does that. Like, he'll be on the floor with CP3 as well. He's been shooting really well this year. He's been, um, I think his, his splits look good. When he's really good at leading that offense – uh, I think he's like his. I had to look up his shooting numbers, but like when I was looking at his three point, um, I think he's shooting career high from three pointer. Uh, he's been really line. good. I think he, you know, that three headed monster guard with with SGA and Chris Ball, that, you know, that carried yeah. this team. And the thing to diminish his case is, like you said, you have SGA and Chris Ball playing well, but um, Schroeder has always been a good player. I think he's finally coming to his own and he's always been a little bit reckless and kind of out of control a lot of times like i don't know whenever you when i watch schroeder it's uh he takes some ill-advised shots i think this year he's been playing a lot more under control within the flow of the offense um and so i kind of want to give him the nod i'm tired of you know the lou will Montrez, harrell yeah. i know those guys are also big candidates but um 
Yeah, yeah, they just, my pick. You know, they're just passing the award back and forth. I think Schroeder's really good. Here's my only problem. He plays too much, I feel like. I, I know that's not actually a consideration. It's strictly about starts, but he averages more minutes per game than Giannis, and I think that's just kind of throws me off a little bit. Um, but that, but yeah, that's he, traditionally the case with a lot of these six-man-of-the-year Yeah, that's winners. how they get to the stats. They play big they, minutes. Yeah. All right, my guy has not played that much games-wise. Like He's only played 50 games, started 15 of them. Uh, but when you think about this, a little bit of a nostalgic pick, but I'm going Derrick Rose. Um, when you think about, I know the Pistons aren't good. I know they're a trash team. Drum, you know, Drummond was traded. Blake Griffin got hurt. Everyone else sucks. But I thought across whatever these circumstances are that the Pistons were going through, um, Rose was really, really good, really, really consistent all season. And, you know, from someone who, you know, we just talked about him winning an MVP from going from that version of his career to basically being left for dead for a couple seasons to return to the heights that he has has been awesome to watch. Um, and I thought he was really good this season. Like he was the head of the snake on offense and he could get to the cup almost at like, you know, early Chicago um, levels. Now, obviously he doesn't have that type of explosiveness anymore, but you could see his ability to kind of craft through the defense. That was always like one of the most fun things to watch, just the way he would slice and dice, you know, pick and rolls, split the pick and roll, get around guys, you know, have weird launch angles on layups. That was the fun thing outside of like the insane athleticism. He's retained a lot of that. And I think if you look at his numbers, um, you know, 21 PER, like shooting almost 50% from the field, 18 and six a game, like playing a version that I don't know that a lot of people thought he had left in him. And doing so where he was basically the only option for a large part of the season with Blake out. I think he's got a he's got a good case. Can I go on a little Derrick Rose rant? Let's hear it. I've never sounds liked like Rose. it's not gonna be complimentary. Yep. I've never liked Rose. And I don't understand why there's all this fawning over him and this, oh my God, this poor guy has robbed of his career. And anytime Derrick Rose drops 20 points a game, he's people are like just ecstatic and oh, he's finally back. Like we act like it was some he won an MVP, sure, but we act like this is some Hall of Fame top 15 player who's robbed of this illustrious career because of his injury. Derrick Rose is so overrated, and yes, he was good. He, the Chicago teams were great, but the, you know what? They all rested on Thibs and that defense. He's a good point guard. Don't get me wrong. He won an MVP he didn't deserve. He had a couple 20-point game seasons, and now we're acting like he's the Messiah. And then he scores 40 points. He's crying. You know, like this becomes a huge emotional story. 50 points. Like, get out of here, man. I don't know what all this attention and sympathy for Derrick Rose is. I'm upset right now, so I'm just going to try to keep it professional here and just give it to you straight. Here's why. If you really want to know why, here's why. There's two factors. One is the story. Mr. Native himself should understand this. The story about how he was involved in a gang rape? or Well, I'm talking, boys listen, ran I'm, train. I'm talking pre-alleged, uh, first of all. I'm talking pre-career, okay? Like, pre-NBA. He grew up in a really, really poor part of Chicago. Um, you know, th- went to the same high school that Benji, if you've ever seen that 30 for 30, he went to Simeon High School where Jabari Parker also went. But Benji was another, you know, noteworthy kid from the 80s who was supposed to be the next Chicago superstar and tragically was shot. So just gives you a sense of the type of neighborhood and the type of history that program has. Gets drafted number one overall by the Bulls, wins an MVP in his third season, still the youngest MVP ever. And the next year blows out his ACL. So you're telling me, yes, he only had a couple 20 point seasons because his success was so immediate and his injury was so immediate. And you think about the kind of guy he is, quiet, reserved, like didn't like the spotlight. He became the face of Adidas. He became one of the most popular players in the league. And all of it was gone within like a 12-month stretch. And that's one piece, the narrative, people understanding. The second piece is if you listen to interviews of players, like whether that's John Wall, whether that's Russell Westbrook, whether that's any of these top point cards who came into the league around the time he did, the one guy they always bring up is Derrick Rose. As he was the baddest motherfucker, he was the guy that was going to be the best in the league. And yes, we can go back, revisionist history, that MVP, maybe it should have been LeBron's, maybe it should have been Dwight's. But that was still when he was 22. It wasn't like he was a finished product by any means. And the guys who saw him play know what's up. And sometimes it differs from how we view it eye test-wise or advanced stats-wise. And I just think that's why he's 
like he's so beloved around the league. I get it. I just don't think his story is that unique or I get it. You know, he's, he's got a tragic upbringing and uh, yeah, he had to cheat on his SATs to get, to get where he got, but um, he would have won a title except Chris Douglas Roberts kept missing free throws at freaking Memphis. Yeah. And I, I mean, you have to remember Rose also eliminated UCLA. Um, Oh, so now we're unpacking. I've I've hated him from the beginning. This was the Westbrook love team. This is the Westbrook love team. This is the team my freshman year. Um, you know, their best shot at winning the title was derailed by that Memphis team. So I hate anyway. uh, West Virginia because they eliminated Kentucky. Yeah, the year of John Wall, and I didn't even like John Wall yet. He wasn't even on the Wizards, but retroactively, I'm going back. And That's when I was West a huge Virginia. John Wall fan. That's when he was the background wallpaper on my phone. Times have changed. All right, <laughs> let's run through these last, next few. What do we got next? Uh, oh, most improved. Okay, so oh, who do you have for most improved? Shit. I didn't actually fill this one out. You go first. All right, I'll go first. I'm going Jason Tatum. And every time we do a most improved, there's a lot of different versions. Everyone talks about this, so I'm not going to rehash them, but a lot of different archetypes you could follow. Um, to me, the hardest archetype or the hardest jump to achieve is good to great. Uh, or great to superstar. And I think Tatum, when you look at last year, this was a year after he was coming off taking LeBron to seven games in the Eastern Conference Finals without Kyrie, without Hayward. Last year, Kyrie effectively torpedoed the team. Tatum got into a lot of bad habits in terms of the forced contested mid-range jumpers. The team obviously flamed out in the playoffs. And there's a lot of questions, even though he was like anointed as the next great thing before he could get out of diapers. He, there was a lot of legit questions about whether this was a dude you could bring build your offense around. And, you know, year four for him, going into a contract extension, he knows he's a max guy no matter what. So it's not the same kind of pressure, but I thought he stepped up to take the mantle as the best player in the Celtics. Um, a really, really good team still. One with Kemba Walker, Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart, Gordon Hayward. A lot of players who want the ball, a lot of players who can produce. And Tatum rose above it all especially post-All-Star break. He was insane. And it's kind of like in um, it's kind of like in 2K when your my player has gotten enough attribute points to really like <laughs> take that next step and suddenly he's seeing the floor. I thought Tatum did such a great job being able to slow the game down. You know, his free throw started going up, his three-pointers, his shot selection. It was a full package, not to mention given his size, he's he's really really good on the defensive end as well. So, I'm going Jason Tatum. I think Tatum's got a great case. I actually didn't know he'd be this good this fast. I mean, based on how good he was last season, you expect him to take some kind of a jump. But like you said, going making that jump from already a very good player to a great player is is tough, especially in his third year, fourth year? Fourth year, yeah. Fourth year. Um, so that's a good one. I'm going with uh, Bam Adebayo. Okay. Um, I love Bam. And, and he's he leapt off the page for me in terms of Obviously, he became more of an offensive threat, uh, doubling his scoring average. He's averaging like close to 17 a game. But defensively, he's been um, incredible, incredible and a very versatile defender, kind of being able to roam, contest all kinds of shots. And then the the thing that I never saw coming out of Bam was his passing. Like I didn't like, he averages five assists a game. He's actually a really good passer. Um and that's some that's a piece of his game I did not anticipate at all coming out of Kentucky, even his first few years in the league. So I think he's become this all really good all around player. Um, and every facet of the game he's improved in significantly. It's not just like he score he's scoring a lot more, but much better defense, much better scoring, much better passing. And Miami is just that much better because of it. They're you know a top seed in the East. So uh, Bam is my pick for most improved. Absolutely no argument. I actually you know. Coming out of Kentucky, I thought he was that pogo stick rim runner mold of a Clint Capella. Like yep. adding this cerebral element of like I can be the playmaker on the offensive end and I can be the anchor of the defensive end like he's been. I just didn't see it coming at all. Um, and like you said, it wasn't even just about coming out of Kentucky, even his first couple of years in the league. I think yep. getting Hassan Whiteside out of Miami, allowing him to be the entrenched starter like helped a lot. I thought it was really telling early on when Miami was off to like such a great start. They were talking to Jimmy Butler and they were like, how does it feel? You know, you're kind of like the one star team, which is different than most teams that have like the two stars. So how does it feel being the one star and so, so, so successful? And he was like, wait, who's the one star? Bam. 
Um, <laughs> and it just tells you the appreciation his teammates had, the respect his teammates had for his game. He made his first all-star team, of course, and he's another guy eligible for that max extension, which I think he's played his way into now. Um, and so I think Bam is a great pick. And Bam is honestly a guy who's going to get some buzz, maybe not for defensive player of the year, but for first or second team all defense too. Um, yep. All right. Coach of the year. I have a strong suspicion ours answers is this, our answer is the same. So I'm just going to take a guess here. This isn't staged. So on the count of three, we're going to say it together to be kind of cute. Okay. And assuming this is the same guy, this is going to sound really stupid. All right. <laughs> All right. All right, one, two, three. Nick, Nick Nurse. Nurse. Yeah, shit. Timing, Wi-Fi. Whatever. Oh, we got it. We got yeah. it. We got it. Nick Nurse. Um, what can you say? They lost possibly the best player in the league, and they had a better record than when he left, um, or than when he was there. You know, unbelievable defensive versatility. He's such a good coach on that end. Every single player buys in. He's got good natural defenders on the team, of course. Lowry, Siakam, Gasol, Ibaka. Um, but even a guy like Van Bleet, who would otherwise be tormented in a pick and roll, he just figures out schemes to make them all flourish. Um, and then offensively, replacing replacing Kawhi and moving Siakam from that second banana into the prime scorer role without missing a beat. They're they're comfortably ahead of Boston for number two right now. They're going to go into the I think the playoffs as the two seed. Nothing short of incredible from Nurse after last year. A lot of guys were wondering if it was just Kawhi or if it was really Nurse who took them you know, over the top. I think he's clearly, you know, maybe not the best, if not the best coach, one of the top two or three, and he's there to stay for a long time. Yeah, man, I Nick Nurse is, is incredible. Like I've gained so much respect for him this year. That Toronto team, there, uh, we talked about it last week, uh, or I talked about how I think they're the biggest threat to Milwaukee, and you know, on the, it's not just about. Kawhi leaving and the fact that they're still good, I think that is impressive on its own. But it's that he's getting the most out of that entire roster. You have guys like Chris Boucher and Terrence Davis playing good, solid minutes. Like that team, what makes them so good is that they're getting quality minutes out of every single player, like one through 10, one through 12. Um, And that, at some point, that's coaching. And they've all bought into that system. They play great team defense. And when you actually, a lot of teams, a lot of players I've heard in various podcasts, when you ask them about like one of the tougher teams they played or um, that you wouldn't expect, right? Not one of the top teams. Toronto comes up quite a bit. And there's this appreciation across the league for what Toronto's doing. Uh, and even when you watch games, uh, when the Kings play them, right? That's when I see them like watching very intently. Uh, they're just hard team. They don't. They don't make them. mistakes. They don't make mistakes, exactly. They don't lose games on their own. Like, they're a tough out for any team. They'll play close in every game. Uh, and Nick Nurse, it's... I, th- I think they've got something special in there. And it's it's incredible now, looking back at Masai Ujiri, like, having confidence in him, putting him in last year. Obviously, they won the title. And, and now it looks like it's paying off even more when you lose a player like Kawhi, an all-time player like Kawhi, and you don't skip a beat. Yeah, you know, like one of the as a Wizards fan who had to live through a lot of like overconfident teams, the Gilbert Arenas teams first and the John Wall teams now who think they've won something without winning a winning a damn thing. The most frustrating aspect is dropping winnable games, right? It's the number one thing the Spurs dynasty has never done. Um, It's why they've made 22 straight playoffs. It's why they're year after year always a hard out every night is because they do not make mistakes and they do not take anyone for granted. And Nick Nurse has built that Raptors team cut out of that same exact cloth. And look, they have a lot of good players on their team and they have a lot of championship pedigree from that last year's run, but they haven't had a clean bill of health by any measure this season, right? Like you go up and down the list, like Siaka missed 11 games, Lowry missed 12, Ibaka missed 14, uh, Marcus Ole missed 28, uh, Normal Powell's missed 18 games. So like, it's not like you said, they're plugging in Terrence Davis, Boucher, uh, Patrick McCall, like Rondé Hollis Jefferson, guys who were picked up off the scrap heap. And he's turning them into real guys who are not liabilities on the court. And it starts on the defensive end. You can play good defense, you can get easy opportunities. This is what Coach Carter tried to teach us so many years ago. Um, <laughs> and Nurse, the team, you know, you picked them as a potential sleeper, which isn't even crazy. What what 
what dynasty could we say that about after losing or what championship team could we say that about after losing a player of Kawhi's caliber? The only other team is maybe like that 94 Bulls team, but they still had Pippen, who was already an all-time at that point. So it's a different mm-hmm. situation. Siakam had not proved it at that level. Yep. Um, so to see them in that position is really, really impressive. But All right. So those are the awards. So MVP, you had LeBron. I had Giannis. Defensive Player of the Year, we both had Giannis. Sixth man, you had uh, Dennis Schroeder. I had Derrick Rose. Most improved, bam, for you, Jason Tatum. And we both had uh, Coach of the Year as Nick Nurse. We did not do Rookie of the Year. Oh, sorry. Wow. How can I forget that? Rookie of the Year, it's Ja. It's Ja. Let's not even talk about Zion. It's Ja. Zion didn't play enough. If he played 30 more games, then we'd be having a conversation. He just didn't play enough, and Memphis is still good. It's not like they were 21 and 61. They, they're going to yeah. be. They're currently the eighth seed. I, I don't even think it's a contest. I think it should be unanimous, frankly. Yeah, I agree. Unanimous. I mean, there's not much more to say. He's been incredible. The only guy I would put in, like Hachimura, um, <laughs> not bad. He got a lot. We got a lot of shit for taking him at nine. People saying it was like a. PR campaign to get a you know <laughs> access pipeline to Japan, but he's actually yeah, I made solid. fun of it. I definitely made fun of it. He's but. not bad. No, he isn't. Not at all. All right, so let's go all NBA. Um, let's start with first team. I think uh, there's four locks to me on the first team. And okay, so, yeah, no, sorry. Go ahead. Let me. Let's assume these are your locks. If not, that doesn't really make sense. But I got Luca, Harden, Giannis, and LeBron. Yep. Okay. So the, the hard thing about All-NBA that's different than All-Star is it's not three front court; It's actual center. So you could cheat a little bit here and there, but you can't just, like, throw anyone you want who's a forward into that center spot. This is why, like, Durant, Kawhi, Giannis, LeBron, two of them always have to be second team, right? Because you can't put three of them on first team. So who's your first team center? Mine is Jokic. Okay. Mine's the same. Yeah. Um, I just think availability um, and the fact like that gives him the edge over Embiid. And I think production gives him the edge over Gobert to me. Yeah, I think Jokic deserves it. I, I actually don't think it's much of a contest either. I think he, as much as I railed on him earlier, <laughs> the fact that we were discussing him in the MVP conversation still means that I think easily first team All-NBA. All right. Second team. Um, in the backcourt, I have Dame Lillard, who I think is a lock for at least second team. And you could argue, to some degree, he could have been a first-team candidate if the Blazers were a little bit better. Uh, but Dame Lillard and I have Russell Westbrook. Who's your backcourt? I've got Dame, too. He's had an incredible year. It's kind of gone a little bit under the radar just because Portland's been bad. Yeah. But uh, And I got Chris Paul. I just think mm. OKC has just played way above expectations and he's had a great season so i'm giving him the nod at guard here i think paul's fair i think paul should honestly get some mvp buzz right if i had to keep going on that ballot i don't think i'd go more than a couple spots without naming chris paul just what he brought to that team from a professionalism standpoint um and from a production standpoint like he was he's averaging i think like somewhere in the neighborhood of like 19 and 8 um, great defense, great efficiency. You know, the issue with Westbrook, I went with Westbrook because of production and the fact that I think he picked it up so much post Covington trade that it was hard to leave him off. But the dude shooting 25% from, th- from three point line, which is hard to imagine someone in yeah. Daryl Morey's system <laughs> existing like that. But here we are. Yep. All right. What about front court? Who do you have? I got Kawhi and AD. And I think this one's pretty. Center. Oh, center is uh, Joel Embiid. Now this one, uh, I, I never know how to treat the in, like the games played. Yeah. All NBA, I'm a little bit. I think my philosophy, I relax a little bit because I, I like putting the better players here. And but I totally get it. He's only played what 44 games, 45 games. Yeah. So um, not happy about it, but I think yeah, he's my second team center. So I have Kate, uh, Kawhi and AD as well. I don't think that requires much conversation. I think I went with Gobert, and he's played 18 more games than, than Embiid. And yeah. I agree with you that it's okay to relax that, but at some point that has to start mattering, especially when you consider that the Jazz were a really good team and the Sixers underachieved. Like the Sixers are the sixth seed. 
their home splits make them look like the 86 Celtics and their road splits like the 2020 Wizards. And so I I put that on the own. You know, that has to fall on the feet of the star players. So Joel Embiid gets deducted points a little bit, and so does Ben Simmons. To me, I have Embiid as my third team center with Gobert as second, even though Gobert slipped a little bit defensively. And he's still too annoyingly limited on offense um, that I don't love him. Like, I do not look forward to the team that pays him this summer. And if the Jazz want to stay competitive, it better not be them. Um, So I I still think given the the way they've set up all NBA teams, he still gets the nod as as one of the (laughs) top 10 guys. Yeah, I mean, Gobert for me is uh, third team, but he could have been second team. I, I debated between Embiid and Gobert at that slot. Uh, I actually think Utah, look, I don't think they want to pay him either. And I think they're going to use this coronavirus excuse and the fact that there's some unrest in the locker room. All these kind of reports that came out this offseason, they're going to use that as justification for not signing him. Uh, so I At actually, the same yeah, time, you don't want to, you know, you don't want to lose him for nothing. So the question is, do you sign and trade? Uh, he's not a free agent until 2021, but you know, do you, if you don't want to offer him that extension, do you look to move him this year? I think they will. I think they'll look to try that for sure. Um, unless they do something crazy in the postseason and make a crazy run, yeah, I think that's they're going to explore that. The thing about Gobert that's clouding my judgment of him, even though I just put him second team, is similar to what I had said about Harden, where I bring in the notion of what they do in past playoffs. And it's yeah. not the same situation, but Gobert from in the regular season when the teams aren't necessarily scheming directly for him is a defensive menace, right? But yep. in the playoffs, when you put him into the pick and roll cycle over and over and over again, a lot of times as good a defender as he is, he gets played off the floor. And yeah. I always think about that because ultimately if you're signing him, it means you're trying to compete for a championship, right? He's not a he's not like a fringe player. He's not like a transition piece. And if a two-time defensive player of the year can't stay on the floor in the playoffs, I think that's a red flag. Absolutely. Um, yeah. and, and that's my concern there. All right. Third team. Who do you have in your backcourt? So uh, I got Kyle Lowry. Oh, my God. And Ben Simmons. And look, I, I don't like Kyle Lowry. I've been a Kyle Lowry hater for most of my life. Um, but he's he's had a great season. Ben Simmons. Um, also, the game is played. Maybe you rule him out. A guy like Westbrook, should, who didn't even make my third team, maybe he should be there. I, I liked what he's done defensively this year. Like you mentioned in the Defensive Player of the Year talk, like he's been incredible. Uh, and that Sixers team's underachieved, but I gave him the nod here. And that, Kyle Lowry, I I want to know what your thoughts are on him, or like if you I, even consider him for this. I list. freaking hate Kyle Lowry, and not I hate because, him too, but and not because of who he is. I've heard him on interviews, and I actually think I would really like the guy, and I'd write like rooting for him. I hate how blog boy analytic Twitter has turned him from like a nice piece into this multiple, several-time All-Star, multiple-time All-NBA, NBA champion, like Hall of Fame candidacy-type guy. I'm like, this dude is not on that tier. He's just not. He he plays hard, and he plays efficiently, and he plays in a way that the analytics like, um, but he's been in good situations his whole career in Toronto. Now, he didn't actually get to the all-star level until several years into his career after stops in Memphis and Houston and and so forth. And he almost got traded, if you remember, uh, to New York, to the Knicks, mm-hmm. yep. when, the, when the Raptors were trying to blow it up. So he's had a couple fortuitous bounces in that Toronto reign. And I just – he's more a player who benefits from circumstance than a player who dictates circumstance. And that's what I think about when I think about who should be on, on, on an all NBA team. Yeah. But I mean, his circumstance, you take away the best player on your team an all NBA MVP candidate type player, and you're still humming along. Someone's got to get credit for that. Yeah. Uh, we, I know Siakam forward took, is going to get credit for it. <laughs> Siakam took a leap this year, but I think a lot of it has to do with at the end of the day, Lowry is the, the lifeline, the heart of that team. Um, so I, I don't know. I, I I think he deserves the nod. It's third team All NBA. Who do you have instead? So I have Paul. Right, that's an obvious lock. Okay. Um, I have Bradley Beal. Um, oh my god, uh, the it, homerest of homer picks. I might as well put De'Aaron Fox on my 
I'm post. surprised you did it, honestly. Um, especially post-haircut. He could be a different kind of guy coming back. No, I have Beal because here's the case against Beal, and it's a lengthy one. I love how you, you said, I have Beal because, and you start off with the case against him. Well, I just want to get it out of the way because I know you're thinking about it. People listening think about it. He was maybe the worst defender at a guard position in the league this season. The advanced numbers actually have him behind Trey Young, which I don't even know how that's possible. Um, Secondly, he's a career 40% shooter who, with this added workload, struggled a lot from deep. He he finished, you know, he's so far currently at 35%. It was was as low as 32, 33% at points in the season. But... To take that scoring leap um, from basically the midway through the previous season where Wall went out with the Achilles to average 31 a game as the only like replacement level player in your starting lineup. And really, they only have one other guy who you could consider would be in a playoff rotation, and that's Davis Bertans. But, you know, he's more of like a specialist role player. So. He's playing with Isaiah Thomas for half the season. If you go look at every Wizard player's numbers after Isaiah Thomas got traded uh, defensively, they went from literally the worst defense in league history until to, to bad, but not like I got to write my parents and tell them about this. You know what I mean? <laughs> and Isaiah was a big part of that. He, you know. I don't even want to get into his defense, you know, like I feel bad. That's for what I've been saying for years, man. Isaiah has been the most overrated player of all time. Like exactly. Even when he was in Boston dropping like 25, 30 points a game. Well, yeah. And the thing is, Stevens was able to scheme a system where that worked and they had enough good defenders around him and Jay Crowder, Avery Bradley, some of those guys. Unfortunately, the Wizards have no good defenders and Isaiah made it even worse. And part of the bearing the brunt of a lot of that was Beal, but his production let me remind you, the fan, sorry, the, the players in the East voted him second in the All-Star rankings. He didn't make the team. I didn't think he deserved to make the team, but he's taken it to a whole new level. If you look at his splits in, in February and March, they're absolutely unbelievable Like in terms of just scoring average. I was actually in the building with my wife in Chicago. We saw him drop 52. Um, granted, he also gave up about 52 to <laughs> Zach Levine and Kobe White, but... Um, I just think as a one-man wrecking crew, ma- dragging the Wizards into respectability, a third-team nod's not so not so big of a deal. Yeah, it's at not- that point, might as well throw in Trey Young on that list. Like what he's also put up eye-popping offensive numbers and horrendous defensive performances. Why not put him there? Like he's worse. You open than, the floodgates. You open he's the floodgates. worse than uh, than than I. The Hawks are worse than the Wizards. I think. It's, I mean, potato, potato. They're all bad teams. Uh, only one of them is at the Yacht Club, and that would be the Washington Wizards. I'd ha- I'll, I'll remind you. Fine. That's that's true. Okay. So now, forwards. All right. Uh, so I already told you I have Siakam. Um, I got other- Siakam as well. Okay. My other forward is Jimmy Butler. Um, I, I got Jimmy as well. So we're, we're aligned there. Yeah. I think Jimmy was awesome. Jim, dude, Jimmy – had a really weird season when you just look at the numbers. Yeah. <laughs> His three-point shooting went to absolute shit. <laughs> I have no idea. He can't make a jump shot to save his life, but he's getting to the line almost 10 times a game. Uh, he's averaging career high in assists. He's been all over the floor defensively. And that Miami team surprised some people, and they're they're going to be a really hard out, I think, in the playoffs. I'm really curious what happens to them in terms of seeding and where they end up. But if they can draw like Indiana in round one, That'll be a fun matchup with Milwaukee in round two. Yeah, and the free throw numbers for him have been a revelation. I mean, he had one year like this several years ago in Chicago, but uh, he's getting to the the rack or, or getting to the line quite often, and that's buoyed some of his other shooting numbers because, like you mentioned, he's not been he has not shot well this season. Mm-mm. But that team has been so good, and if you just watch the Heat, like he. Um, He's an important cog. I, I think it's easy to give him the third team nod here. I didn't really stress over this one. I think Miami's been so good, he he should get a nod here. Yeah. And, you know, he's always been a little bit of a malcontent, and people thought it was happening in Miami too because there's no other stars. But you got to remember, this is the first time in his career he's actually chosen his team. Exactly. Yep. And so you have to assume that means there's some thought put into it, clearly, when nobody other nobody other – 
uh, no other stars were signing there. He, he knew what he was getting him to. And so he sounds like he's been a good teammate. Yep. Um, all right. And for me, Embiid was my center uh, on the third team. Was yours Gobert? It was Gobert. I really wanted to get Adebayo in there. Mm. Um, but I think he's a year away from kind of being an all-NBA type guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, Embiid, I could have maybe – I had him on my second team. But, you know, if I thought injuries really mattered, I could have dropped him off and put Rudy second and Bam third. But, um, but yeah, otherwise I think uh, it should have been either Gobert or Embiid. If you just look at basketball reference – you pick Towns. Um, oh, I mean, aside from the minor fact that Towns loses almost every time he's on the court, uh, I think between his injury and the Timberwolves' like massive losing streak, he went like multiple months without winning a game of basketball. Um, and I just wish something would click for him the way it's clicked for some of these other young guys. Um, I don't know, the mean streak or something like truly become an anchor defensively but when you look at what he's do, doing offensively i mean this dude's 6 11 shooting 41 percent from three uh 51 percent from the field 27 and 11 it's nuts yeah he's having but a they, great they just lose all the fucking time well look your same argument for beal you just laid out for towns and you're saying you know, like bad defensively elite offensively uh, the team hasn't had much success, except somehow that justifies Beal being in there and not Towns. So the two things is Towns only played 35 games this season. Beal was out there a lot more. Secondly, when you look at the guards, Kyrie was out. Steph was out. Clay was out. Kemba got hurt and then struggled. Wall was out. I mean, a lot of the perennial all-NBA guards that are in the conversation – we're not there this season. So when I'm picking nits between him and Simmons and Lowry and who else was even in the running, maybe Trey Young, I don't feel crazy bad about putting yeah. – um, especially, look, I gave the Sixers shine with Embiid and I gave the Raptors shine with Siakam. So they're represented on the all-NBA teams. But I also don't like Kyle Lowry, so he's not going to make <laughs> my, my list. But can't argue with that. Um, all right. There it is. That was fun. We'll see what the actual um, – Awards come out as usually they don't do this until after the finals. Yeah, it's like um, when everyone's I, forgotten all about it. Yeah, I hate that mold to turn it into the NBA awards. It was so much better when like you got to accept the award in front of your home fans. Um, yeah. During the playoffs, but now we don't have fans, um, so we don't. That doesn't even matter. So we'll check back in like mid October when this is actually resolved <laughs> and uh, see how they shook up. But uh, please rate, review, and subscribe to Thick and Thin on all major podcast platforms, uh, write us an email at thickandthinhoops at gmail.com and talk to you later, man.